Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Well, where do we Can start? Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Is there something in the water in regards to the kickers and punter in the state of Texas? Must be. We were watching the Texas game. You had all these missed field goals, extra points, literally for both teams. Doc, last, I- last yesterday, yeah, the Texas A&M game comes down. Looks like they can win it at the end. Missed field goals. They got it done at the end, scoring a touchdown in overtime. Obviously, everybody's quite aware of what happened last week with the Longhorns. And this week, Same they thing. a punter decides to go wacko on them. <laughs> the the game. And then, I had, I'm not finished. Oh. Texas Southern went up to Texas State. Oh, here we go. Missed here we go. Goal. Here we go. Um, And literally got on the one-yard line like twice and decided to throw interceptions and a fumble. One interception run back for 100 yards. Oh. And then, obviously, Prairie View, this is two weeks in a row. Last week, they went mixed. I mean, they can score. They can score. Can't stop anybody. But not only that, they have problems kicking extra points. They missed three extra points last week. And this week in Dallas, in the cotton mode, they missed two extra points. Oh. So, I just don't So, you're saying giving up 70 points in the football game is not a good thing? No, but oddly enough, I, let's jump on that. Cause this is, this is a weird thing. Cause usually when you say somebody gives up 70 points, uh-huh. you're like, I got a problem. But this was really like close. This was all but a 70 to 70 scored game. Oh. Explain One punt in this game. Last year, this brings you back. You think about all porn and prayer view. In that game, it was back and forth. Both teams put up a lot of points. All corn put up 70 something. Prayer view put up 50. But in, in that game, like this game, the opposing team did not have a punt. But unlike that game, also Prairie View only had like one punt. So there was no punting in the game. In that game, you had one team last year at Alcorn. They put up like 700 yards. This game was literally close except for two possessions, and I'll tell you the difference essentially in the game. As you said, it was 70-54. to 54. I told you two extra points were missed. So it was 70-56, which is a 14-point game. So you see 28-14. A 14-0, you like, hey, pretty intense game. 70-54 just throws you off automatically. Sure, I saw hit me when I saw the release. Total yards. Grambling, 556 yards. Prairie View, 508. Oddly enough, when you look at it, even between passing and rushing, relatively close. Grambling, 429 passing yards. Prairie View, 416 passing yards. Rushing, Grambling, 127. Prairie View, 164. Turnovers, two apiece for each team. Fumbles lost, uh, one for Prairie View, one interception for Prairie View, and Grambling threw two interceptions. Uh, time possession was dominated Prairie View. Their drives were slower, 35-23, 24-37. Grambling had two kickoff returns for a touchdown, and they were able to stop Prairie View twice. Once uh, early in the game, first quarter, causing a punt. And later in the third quarter, where they actually stopped Prairie View in the red zone, turnover on down. So that was essentially the difference in this game because neither defense stopped either team. Um, and I was just like, this is weird. Prairie View had 32 first downs, ground them 24. So they obviously had more explosive plays, including, as we said, those kickoffs for the return. So this was a, it's a weird game. One bright spot in terms of the State Fair Classic, the 90th edition. 51,000 people came there to watch this game, so they surely were entertained in terms of 
offense has saved that says everybody says it sells tickets with 51,000 tickets were sold. I guess to see offense. Hopefully anybody wasn't offended because they surely didn't see any defense in this type of game. But I think that's the new style that you're starting to see around the country on various levels. The spread, we were talking about this uh, during some texts and over the internet uh, last night and this morning it was that intriguing for us. But I think the spread offenses and the rules that have changed in regards to how uh, the referees are calling the games in terms of um, you can't literally touch the quarterback. I mean, even accidental. Mm. We've seen that can't call yeah. and take the game yesterday. Yeah. You tap them. Uh, that's 15 yards. Don't breathe on the quarterback or you might find yourself in trouble. I think you've seen that in an NFL game today. Mm -hmm. People are like, wow. And so you see this, essentially what I'm calling um, indoor arena football outside or in the dome, just on a 100-yard field, essentially, where it's just up and down, up-tempo. And you even see in the TCU-Texas Tech game, it was another one of those barn runs, right. a tip pass that was caught, toe in. And the reason I bring it up, because I'm sure everybody's seen the highlights because it was one of those plays, was the fact that Patterson, after the game, was talking about, y'all beat me up when you said my offense couldn't score. We defeated people 10-3 to or 14-7. 14-3. Now I get the offense going, and y'all say I can't stop anybody. He got to the point where he said, hey, this is what we're going to do all year. If you don't like it, stay on. I was like, wow. He told the fans to stay on. I know the market people in the background were like, hey, hold on. Don't say that. He's not for real. He's just upset right now. But he's excited he won the game. So that's essentially what you saw there from that framework. And so I was um, – Intrigued and disappointed. First downs, last thing I'll talk about that game was Grambling 24, Prairie 32. So it was a wild scoring affair. So if you like offense, come check out the SWAC because you'll see these scores from about five different teams in the SWAC all season long. That's Prairie View, Grambling, Southern, Alcorn State, and Alabama A&M. All of those teams, I would not be surprised if they averaged at least 50 points a game this season, particularly if you're just looking at the SWAT. Is the rest of the way going for them? Well, yeah. When they play each other, I'm pretty sure they're going to put up those numbers. <laughs> and obviously when they play in offenses such as uh, Texas Southern, Jackson State, Pine Bluff, Valley. That's a lot of inept teams. It's about half and half. Half the, the SWAT can score, it seems, at will. And the other half. Um, okay, offenses said, are not as – and I won't say enough. I'll say the word efficient. Okay. Some of these offenses are not very efficient. And people tend to look at the defense, but I argued last night it's more about how efficient your offense is. If you have a more efficient offense, you can really help your defense against teams, uh, even if they have good offenses. If you're a team that and you don't have a very efficient offense, your defense is going to struggle even more. So when these teams collide with each other, I'm going to say it's going to be high scoring, similar to what you saw last week with Prairie View A&M uh, and Alabama A&M, what you've seen this week. Also last two weeks ago when you seen Bethune-Cookman and Grambling, that was, what, 56, 52, 53 or something like that. And then this week again, 70 to 54. Alcorn put up 50 points. Uh, Southern against Jackson two weeks put up 50 points. I think you're starting to get the idea of the score. When these teams line up against each other and everybody else in the league, you're going to see okay. at least 50 points. You said 
PV Southern Grambling. That's Alcorn, Alcorn. And Alabama, and that's three in the west. Yes, three in the west, and two in the east. Two in the east. Yes. Goodness gracious! I know that. That's <laughs> a lot of points right there. Yeah, it's up. Hey, the records. It's on the record. So if you like, it, yeah, fans. If you want to see some high scoring games, check out the swag. If you want to see offense and these offense, it's not just passing. It's running the ball. You have put people putting up 150, 170, 200 yards rushing. Along with putting up 300, 400 yards. Um, so that, that's what you had. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be that all year long. So it's going to be intriguing to watch, uh, if you're in the swag. On the MIAC side, a little more defensive in nature. So it'll be interesting in the celebration of bowl in a lot of ways because you got to figure one of those five teams. Uh, I'm saying my first tier right now in the swag is Gramlin State. Southern and Alcorn second tier is Prairie View and Alabama A&M. So I'm thinking one of the top three teams in their first tier are going to make it and play in the MEAC. So it'll be interesting to see because you're likely going to see South Carolina State, um, North Carolina A&T, and Norfolk State as the surprise team I'll put in there. And I'm thinking that they think they can do some defense. I'm putting Bethune-Cookman in that tier two, maybe just in that tier one. But uh, as you see, even when they play Grambling, they have played low-scoring games, but when they played Grambling, they were able to score high. So those are things I think you kind of want to look at. The other game that was uh, big out there that really uh, hurt Texas Southern, as they were leading uh, in late in the game, fourth quarter, third, 24-20, to Lillardy dominated much of that game, particularly in the second and third quarter, but couldn't close it out in the fourth quarter um, as Jackson State made a couple more plays than they did. One was a big interception that was returned for a touchdown that really kind of tied the turn the tide of their game. They went up 27-24 and then scored a late touchdown, 34-24, to hold on for that lead to kind of give you an idea of what's going on locally for the Texas HBCU program. Southern had a game where they stepped out in Georgia. We're going to keep our prayers open for the player um, that a wide receiver for Southern. I'll get his name shortly. It's uh off the top of my head because I'm thinking about the injury. They were thinking that he was paralyzed. He had spinal injury. He could move his hands as they were moving him out, and they found out, at least according to some sources, um, that uh, he is not paralyzed, that he had surgery and everything went well. And so I want to make sure we keep prayers for players like that, which is going to be intriguing because a lot of people are still having major problems with uh, HBCUs, uh, which I'm talking about playing up and playing these FBS programs. Right, right. And so some people will attribute that to uh, the difference in size. Obviously, some of that is just game of football. Right. But I argue more from the standpoint that I think it does not help your brain in regards to playing games like that. Devin or Devon Gales is what I'm saying. Yes, Devon Gales. Is his name. Thank you for getting me out there. So I think it's important to make sure that uh, that is noted there. <clears throat> a couple other scores. FAMU is struggling. FAMU has a long way to go. That's a big brand program uh, at the HBCU program. It would be like uh, Texas now uh, struggling in regards to a brand at their level. FAMU is having major struggle. They lost to Tennessee State. They arrived at home. And so a big one also was Norfolk State over Hampton. This past weekend, actually scoring 17 points and shutting out Hampton in the second half. 
as they went away and moved that game 24 to 14 after they 24 to 17 I should say um, as they were losing that game 14 seven and a half mm. so um, that's some big scores that going on there around the country Bowie State had a big win over Livingston at the mid-major level and final score here was Kentucky State knocking off what I had as number 10 in Central State in regards to uh, the mid-major division. Poll will be coming out Tuesday. Poll will come out Tuesday, so listen to us live if you can at caseohradio.com. That's KCOH at 1230 on the dial, 1230 a.m. Or you can listen to the podcast, Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, and that is on SoundCloud. And you can get that usually by the end of the week. It is posted inside the HBC Sports Lab, Dr. Phil's inside the HBC Sports Lab on SoundCloud, I should say, to get some updates in regards to who are the top 10 teams in the country. You can go to Autodon, HBC Sports. You can go to THG-agency.com, excuse me there, as well to get the top 10 list. You're starting to get some Feelings of how this season is going to play out, at least who are serious contenders and those that are not. And you will continue to see as the weeks break down who are the contenders and who are not the contenders. I want to say a few things. As Doc mentioned it, I I found an article about the Devin Scales, Devon Scales injury. Georgia head coach Mark Rick has uh, really – let's read a few comments from the article I found here. Uh, Coach Rick has really helped. He says Georgia is here to help injured Southern wide receiver Devin Gales, and he's talked about getting coaches involved, families involved, coaching staff of Georgia, and the student body and everything, because uh, Miss Gales is in the hospital in Athens, mm-hmm. Athens, Georgia, until he's released to go to uh, Baton Rouge yeah. for further treatment. But uh, Article says Georgia coach Mark Rick and members of his coaching staff, including offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer and his family, went by to visit him on Sunday. Cool. Quote, we're trying to cover him up with as much love as we can and let him know that we care and let him know that we're here to help. We're just going to continue to pray and to know that Bull- I know the Bulldog Nation is behind him as well. And a quote, there may come a time when there may be some needs. Not exactly sure yet. If it does come to that, I'm going to be calling all dogs to get involved and help out. So uh, that's from Coach Mark Rick. So kudos to him. Definitely, definitely. And the uh, Georgia staff for uh, for helping take care of, of uh, Devon Scales as he um, goes through this. And this article says he has feeling in his upper body. And the school, Georgia, called the surgery successful and said he remains in good spirits. So we'll, uh, as Doc mentioned, we'll keep him in. And everyone, ask all listeners as well as us to keep him in your prayers for a healthy recovery. Definitely, and also would add to that that the Southern team after the game, uh, as a team, went over to the hospital. So that lifted up his spirits as well. They were able to call his uh, father, I believe it was, on the cell phone. Definitely a family member. Georgia flew through the family to the hospital. It was on, on their time, so they... They had transported family to uh, to Athens Hospital. Well, it's good to see uh, when you look at athletics from the standpoint as many times sometimes we see 
yep. and frustrating things to yep. see them coming together and doing some yep. right things. I don't think it's the time and place for me to say some other thoughts. I'll give it a couple of weeks to come back and let people know how I think about schools in regards to um, injuries, catastrophic like this, and the responsibility. Okay. Right. On a lighter note, here's a quote, gentlemen. We sat there with a three-point lead and probably shouldn't have got the call I got, but I got upset and got to learn to just control my composure, end quote. Which coach said coach that? Charlie Strong. Man up the road. That the referee bumped and caused a ruckus on the side. I, I was wondering if I was the only one to see the referee bumped in. And you know what? It, it took everything for me to kind of like just, wait a minute, what just happened? Did that referee, I said, did he bump it? The referee bumped And, and then every, he turned around. And, I, and I'm going to reference this because most people don't understand what that big white painted area is on the sideline. And it's there for a reason. That's a safety zone for team and coaches on the sideline to back away from the field. It's supposed, you're supposed to be, as an official, you're supposed to be able to see down the sideline an unobstructed view because of that, that big wide strike. Somebody was outside that area. And that'll be, it won't be a source of contention, but it'll be a lot of questions asked. Who was in the right? Who was in the wrong? That's and, just one question, sir. No, it's going to start there. Okay. Because once it gets, <laughs> once it gets going, because see, I know my fellow fish. Once it gets going, it's the room going to erupt with a lot of things being said. And I'm kind of, and I'm going to leave it there. But it'll go from one spectrum to the other on okay. who was in the right and well, who was in the wrong. already been asked on the KG Pitford Wildcat and Doc Facebook page was Coach Strong job by the officials? And you emailed us an article. Yep. And Somebody someone said. saying, um, was it Burnt Orange Nation? Yeah. Basically questioning the integrity of the officiating yeah, crew involved. Oh. They said it was a mafia type hit on them. It was basically reference. Let me go to the article since I sent it. It's reference on uh, SB Nation Barking, Barking Carnival. And Phantom calls from corrupt officiating crew Barry Texas Longhorns. Let me say that again. Phantom calls from corrupt officiating crew Barry Texas Longhorns. And it's difficult for me. I'll be the first one out here out of the game. It is difficult for me to imagine that you could get a collusion of a bunch of officials to purposely That's have hard an to attitude prove. to go after a coach or organization, a, a institution. But I must say, as I was watching the game, that I was like, man, they can't catch a break. I really thought there were some egregious calls, but I think you get that. It just happened to me that they all came during one game, in my opinion. Well, now, that particular segment shocked me from the standpoint because I clearly saw uh, the referee bump strong first, yep. which I thought was out of character yep. for a ref. And yep. then when he turned around and obviously clipped him, uh, moving back, the referee got mad. It's like, no, you got to go hit me just because I hit you. And so he threw the penalty. Um but the whole game, you just had these calls uh, that you look and you say, "All right, that looks clear." Um, the touchdown that was that was called a lateral call back was huge, and everybody says they see that says it was at worst 
it was close, but they said the way the foot movement is what kind of threw everybody off on it. But <laughs> let me just die, guys, die, let me Only one person in this room, Wes Price. Well, you need to speak up. And I'm going to say something. You're dragging your feet. No, because two things. One, I hadn't gone to the, we hadn't gone to a meeting this week. And it was one schedule. Okay. And, 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 and see, I don't want to get you in trouble. So. And, 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 I, and, and see, me and Doc can carry this, carry this weight. Yeah. But I will go, I will say what's being printed out there for everybody to see. And it's one paragraph. And I'll be brief with it. Be brief. Right now, I'm simply interested in determining what kind of human garbage are we dealing with? Pro cowboy or anti Texas game riggers? Corrupt gamblers? Straight up racists? who want to undercut a predominantly black coaching staff at the state flagship are simply, are simply petty, small men who decided early on they were going to get Texas for some unknown slight. I truly don't know. I've just never seen anything so blatantly purposeful in a football game. At least one official on this crew was interested was an interested party with a compelling interest and a desired game outcome. It's online at SP Nation. He called one official. Carnival. For sure. Phantom calls from corrupt officials. Barry's Texas. Boy, you talking about a corruption. And They're gonna I'm bury gonna, this as quick as they can. It's going to be interesting. Even if it's true, they cannot let this get up. It's going to be interesting what transpires this week because when you make a statement or a game ends in a situation like it did yesterday, there will be a conference call demanded by the commissioner toward the conference ADs because now everybody's involved. It's, it's all public. And when it becomes public, everybody has to have a say in it. Don't know what's going to transpire at the end of it, but it's going to be. They have to bury it. The only way that this comes out is if somehow you find out that this is attached to a federal type of offense, which is the same way it came out of the NBA. And I'm hoping it's not. And the at, only reason I'm saying, saying cause, that because it'll... it's the worst thing that can happen to any league where people start to there question the integrity of the league. Damn. Cause you talk about so the two cases that we have, something like this, the only way they came out on both cases, which is the White Sox scandal back in Major League Baseball, right. which literally went to court. Yeah. Same thing. The NBA case with the official Tim Donahue came out because of what? It went to court. court. These are federal cases outside of that. And so you cannot tell me just by a mathematician like myself and understanding statistics uh, that it never has happened before. In any small case of one individual that happened to be human, yeah. I'm just saying numbers. I'm not saying this particular game or this particular situation, but I'm saying across the board mm -hmm. that all the games, only two of them have ever come out, and they have to be the two that were tied to actually criminal acts. Yeah, true. True. I'm going to read the, the conclusion of the article Wildcat and I have referenced. We just watched a fixed football game the first I've ever seen or can recall in all of my years. What's the Big 12 going to do? Nothing. I agree That's what. 
I agree with it. I agree with it. I, I'm not positive sure it was fixed. Oh no! Nah, but that, if it was, I don't think. I, I don't think. I'm it saying fixed. even if it was, and I want I want to put this on the table. I'm just, I hadn't looked very closely at the film. I'm just saying, as a person that watched the game, I did unequivocally state that uh, as I was watching the game, I was like, man, they can't catch a break because I thought it was just odd, some weird calls throughout the game. But I've seen that, but not as many in terms of one team getting throughout the game. So I just thought it was weird. But to the credit to this person that wrote this article, he clearly states that he broke down the film, and he is somebody that breaks down films often. So that's why I'm saying that I'm, from my framework, somebody that did not break down the film. And it's hard for me to believe that's the case. But I'm only stating that I do agree with him from this standpoint, that if it is the case, there is no way that the league can allow this to come out. They must suppress it. And the only way that it would come out is if it, if there is some tie to crimes, whether state or federal. But, Doc, we're talking about the University of Texas Longhorns getting jobs, Doc. Right. This is the flagship but, of the Big 12, Doc. But it's always the organization. 40 Acres can't be screwed, Doc. Yes, it can. And they've been screwed before. They may not have realized it. No, Doc, you're, <laughs> you're saying that. And they've screwed people themselves before. Oh, so, which gets me to my point. I know there's some schools loving this. Right. Just like, really? <laughs> Longhorn Nation been getting away with stuff for years on off the field. And now we got somebody questioning the officiating. You know, the line from a, a great movie quoted from a great man. The chickens come home to roost. <laughs> yes, yes, mm. indeed. I'm just saying. It's hard. This is hard to prove. Now, there's going to have to be some oh, yeah, yeah. smoking and, guns out the wazoo to prove all this kind of corruption talk. And all will, the, the, the most that will transpire is that crew won't work together in right. order to see. Right. That says a lot. That says a lot. And that would be the most. Which is actually, in a lot of ways, the Big 12 saying that we may not be, believe that this was totally corrupt. Right. But we do believe there was enough so, questionable much, calls right. within the game. And it, that we cannot allow you all to work together because, again, as I'm stating, is that the organization, which in this case is the Big 12, is always bigger than the sum of the parts. So sometimes the smaller organizations must take the fall. And in many times, it's the players of the individual. In this case, it'll be a member of the institution. Now, there is the case where this gets egregious enough where it's institutions such as Texas A&M or institutions such as Nebraska and say they get so tired of what's going on that they literally have the ability to leave and they leave to other conferences. So those situations can occur where it gets so frustrating for organizations within a organization that if they had a choice, that they'll rather leave and take their chances out other places. On a happier note, we're going to come back to the second question, second post that we got on our Facebook page in a second. How about those Houston Cougars, Wildcat? You know what? They put a butt whooping on Texas State. I, I tell you what, if, if you want to get that, uh, a, another one of those 50 score. Uh, yes, sir. A straight, a, a good straight answer. Ask a good straight question. Find out if it was an aberration in the first half to have nine penalties and then make a correction, adjustment, uh, come to 
you better get your buddy in gear conversation at halftime and you only commit one penalty in the second half, that's a good stamp. But you got to ask the question to get that correct. Because you hope it's not an albatross that's hanging around that net. And hope it's just an aberration on a game. you say it has to be around the net? Yeah, because <laughs> apparently that's how they've been starting games. The start of the game was brutal. They, it's, he was there yesterday. He'll tell you. It was, was ugly. Let me, it was, yeah, it was, was ugly. What's the young man's name? Number 26 for the Cougars. I'm going to get you. I'm going to call you out, sir. They don't like doing this on the, because of college, excuse me, student athletes. But wrong is wrong. He acted like he had no idea what he could do on, on a, uh, on kickoff. Oh, hey, here we go. The, the conversation, what he's, what, what KJ is referring to. Kickoffs are free kicks. Uh, you talking about the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, kick, the reception in the, in the end zone. And he starts walking toward the... Uh, he received the kickoff. Dot. And just walks. Instead he, of him stopping. He didn't Which down, was told to stop. He didn't down the ball. By his blocker in front of him. He Brand, was, Brandon Wilson. He was told to stop right there. Kneel down and let that go. Put the ball in the... You know, kneel down and then fall, hand the ball to the official and then go and let's go. He... His mind is in another world. And it was almost like, I don't hear you. He's, I'm going yeah. to take off and run as soon as they get close. He's slowly walking toward the goal line with the ball. In his hand. In his hand. Then the ball comes out. After, just beyond the goal line. and Just beyond the goal line. They got lucky. And I'm screaming. Me and Greg are screaming, down the ball. Down the ball. Down the ball. He seemed to be oblivious. To what else was else It's a live on. ball. Yeah, it, obviously. Darn. So they got a break. Rest reviewed, and I think you yeah. ended up following the ball anyway. I think, yeah. uh-huh. but he seemed like he had no idea, like it was his first kickoff return in life. That it was just a live like ball situation. And, and at that point, at that point, yeah, I'm surprised no that Coach hey, hey. Coach Francione did just snatch him official and just beat the crap out of him. Because me personally, what I saw, you can't be being a kid. No, I ain't talking about the kid. The review guy. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what camera angle was, but from from sitting from where I was, you didn't nah, see what he saw. I saw that kid walk across that that goal line with the ball in play. Yeah. That's what I saw, and I said that in the press box. But you know, I wouldn't personally. Is the game moving too fast for You know what? Yeah. That was a good question that was asked. Yes, somebody mentioned that yesterday. Well, you know, the game is foot, college football is starting to move faster than what. These guys can accept. It's taking too, it's too, taking too damn long. I don't know that. Long well, NFL games. But now, the one thing that did happen yesterday, really not know something is up or changing, that particular review was quick. It was barely a minute and a half to go through whatever angles they needed to go through and decide, no. Well, according to you, maybe they should have reviewed it a little longer. They should have went to a commercial break. Literally. Because they still got it wrong. But the special teams U of H's first half, oh. that that started off poorly. They were offsides yeah. on back-to-back kickoffs. A lot of one step forward I mean, and it was two like, steps back. What in the hell is wrong with the special teams? Mm-hmm. And all this going on, they go from 7-7 into the fourth and third and one, third and short, fourth and short, two right. just really piss-poor offensive calls. Lost the ball on down. Yeah. And then Texas State couldn't do anything. They turned it over. Then Greg right. Ward and they said, "Well, 
we gave y'all a shot. We gave y'all a chance, and they yeah. scored six straight possessions, and the game was over at halftime. It was 42-7 yeah. to seven at halftime. And a lot of breakdown plays on the, on the scoring drive, And too. Greg Ward Jr. looked like a looked like a man yesterday. Like a very good college quarterback coming into his own. I think he was, what, 21-27 passing, yeah. 10 carries for 91 yards, rushing, two touchdowns, I think, on the ground, threw for three touchdowns, I think. He looked like the real yeah. deal. He uh he connected with uh, uh Marcus Harris. Harris yep. pretty much on a regular basis when he came to score. Seventeen to twenty one, excuse me, not twenty one, twenty seven. Seventeen to twenty one. It was a career night for him. He twenty four yards past it. He was very impressive. He's a playmaker. And he we got done, but the game was over before ten thirty. I was kinda shocked about that. I mean to get out of out of the that stadium and get home by twelve o'clock was before twelve o'clock was amazing to me. Six hundred eighty nine forty yards U of H. Only allowed 400 for Texas State. And Texas State, the week before, yeah. put up 50 against Southern Miss in a 56 mm. 50 game and played Florida four. State well for a half. Right. Yeah. For a half. I mean, I did not see a 59 14 whitewash from the Cougars coming. So. And they were down some players yesterday. They were short. Uh, and down some more now. Uh, had the quarterback is, is hurt for the Cougs. So Kyle Postman going back from yeah going, coach, he went quarterback to receive and I go back quarterback yeah and uh, Coach uh, Herman mentioned that uh, now his receiving core will be one down uh, because Postman was was somebody that they had depended on just uh, because uh, the receiver core being been thin to see which tells me a lot uh, it's it's going to be interesting you know what he had to attrition really taking uh, post game will be loaded up this evening uh, on. Uh, AKSV, DCSR, YouTube, uh, within about three hours after I get done, we get done with this podcast. Here. I've done all the trimming I can do and, and kind of cleaned it up. But yeah, uh, Coach Hammond talked about it a lot. You know, that was the biggest deficiency that he's looking at, uh, starting this week. It, uh, going forward, you know, it was a question and we, I even broke that subject in the, uh, press box. He may have to burn a, uh, 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 red at, at the, uh, at one of those two positions. Hopefully he doesn't. He's trying not to, which I don't blame him because of what he got, he has coming in next year. Uh, letting those kids and all kind of like grow up together. But, uh, he, they, might, they, not they, they, choice, he might, yeah, he might not have a choice. But yeah. he'll, it, it's the, him explaining it is a lot better than me just trying to interpret. But, uh, uh, post game was Greg Ward Jr. had four patent touchdowns to three. Well, you so know, he kind of for six TDs for the Cougars, and he should be Commerce Player of the Week in the act. I don't know. Uh, what's the Kentucky right now? Uh, what's right in the whack? In the act, we ain't talking about act whack. That Commerce was that Commerce. You talking about when Rice Owls played and got run Rice over? Here. You know, they that got happened. Run over by uh, Art Brown squad. That happens. That happens. So I and think they will cover their spread, right? Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, uh, conference was it 70 to 14, 17, 17? Yeah. Uh, less than two minutes ago. It was interesting. What's going on with Browse? Talk to, talk to the Wildcat. Hey, man. This is me. And in the, in this morning's quotes, what I got was, what's in, what, what's in black and white is that he needed, he needed to quit making things personal and all on the picket, getting picky and all and, Chippy going back and forth about his feelings and stuff and needed to just get back to coaching football. So that wasn't 
that's a direct quote. It is, it's, it's in, the, in the coach's notes and all this morning. I'm saying it because that's that's, that's what was there. Now. If I'm wrong, a Baylor bear that I know will, will contact me and let me know. So is Baylor fixed? Or are they serious in regards to? Don't know yet. They haven't played about it yet. Doc. Don't know yet. Don't know yet. They oh. they got to get in the, they got to get in conference play. And what Joseph Duarte. Oh, Joseph Duarte has just written on the Chronicle website that the Coug back a quarterback Adam Schultz tore his ACL in the um, uh, in toward the end of the game. There now so comes out, so he's out for the season. So now we got now now it'll be of course it definitely yeah, yeah they have it's it, almost a far gone. Um, I won't I won't be there tomorrow because of a prior engagement, but uh, it'll be interesting. The uh, what. Uh, Coach Herman has to say, even on the conference call and on the uh, at uh, media, uh, his meeting with the we'll have mem- to follow up on media the podcast to make sure we give everybody an update. Yeah, uh, that Baylor Big Twelve. You know, I'm talking about Big Twelve is not where it's supposed to be. I'm still questioning SEC uh, in hey. totality. Um, yeah, Texas no, Tech. Nobody knows. King Barry looks like he was trying to make a statement. He's Austin still trying to make a statement. He's still trying to make a statement. It was literally a toe tap tap away from uh, knocking down the top five in his first. But he's also he was also in a tap 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 standing on the cliff, looking down in the canyon, with uh, looking back over his shoulder. Really? Yeah. Who it's, are you referencing? There? Kingsburg at, at Tech. It's some folks that uh, kind of want him. They move on. Move on. Because they're looking at it as, you know, he may have been not been ready for for uh, uh for, you know, the the move up. Yeah, the big time. And you know, right now this is still a still a question mark, but it's also uh they're gonna let this guy. This is run another out. question going back strong. I just think Doc, he gonna finish the season. No, I think it's a, it's the new age, but I just they, we don't give coaches long enough to. Right, I, it's, and I, I agree with that. How can you figure out somebody's ready or not? Somebody sticking with your eight and four prediction for the Longhorn? Yeah, uh, they're one and three right now. First time what since fifty something? Yeah, before Darrell Roy got there. No, his first year. Before Darrell Roy got there? No, his. his no, no, I'm saying they're one and three. I think for the first time since the year before Darrell Roy got, he got said there. Darrell Roy was one and three his first year. What he said. Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, read what I read. I'm saying. Well, if, if you read what you read, then it's doesn't mean it's right. You know, it's, it's, it's in the orange and white. You know, you, you never know. The only reason I bring up the Texas Tech is the fact we, you know, you had that just the, the first time before since 1956, the year before Coach Boyle okay. arrived right. in Austin. And you had that Arkansas Texas Tech yeah, going yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Arkansas lost again, so he's another coach that. Yeah, Bynama, uh having some problems. He's having some some problems, and I don't know where it stems from. Uh, recruiting, you know, it's it, and uh, uh, positions, you know, it's, guys may not be. He's zero nine in game decided by ten points or less. Yeah, yeah, now that, that that's, that's coaching. That's coaching. Yeah, just can't finish the deal. Yeah. And I guess he's looking to make sure that he don't have a close game. He's scheduling uh, FCS SWAC member Alcorn State in 2016. Wow, that's kind of quick, man. That's kind of quick. That's uh, kind of quick, Doc. Yeah, I already told it's, you what I think about these games. Doc, that's kind of quick. That, that's, 
you 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 really put you putting your salary on the line in all this situation like that. Wildcat. Yeah. Navy twenty eight. UConn eighteen. UCF lost to Southern South Carolina thirty one fourteen. East Carolina beat Virginia Tech thirty five twenty eight. They James, needed that game. James Madison FCS James Madison forty eight. SMU forty five. And of course the Cougars. 59-14 win over Texas State. And just when we thought SMU was going in the right direction. Well, this is after Memphis on Thursday, another one of our high-scoring games. Yeah. Memphis, 53, Cincinnati, 46. Well, let me let me say let me say this. Conference USA outside of the conference went 2-4 and four yesterday. Uh, the American uh, went, uh, didn't, pretty much was the same. And the, the one big uh, school that everybody was, was referencing yesterday was what is wrong with Central Florida. They are 0-4 now. They, they lost to a FCS team as well, didn't they? Last week? Or week four? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they have. They lost to Furman. 16-15 yeah. last week. Yep. Southern Conference. Wow. That ain't good. So they've lost to... So you closer to the FCS <laughs> program than yeah. The FBS program. Yeah. So they've lost to Florida International, Stanford, Furman. And Florida International and is South Carolina. Wow. And that's really yeah. one of your flagship programs. Yeah. Because we talked, that's, that's why it just got discussed yesterday. Uh, that, that doesn't sit well. And Cincinnati's lost. Cincinnati was the conference preseason favorite. Yep. And they got. They got rolled in the fourth quarter. They gave up 22 points. They're, to they're not 0-2 in, in the conference play. And Memphis, Memphis is 4-0 right now in rolling. The team that everybody said would be a, uh, uh, somebody to adjust, it would be hard to adjust to is being, is doing just that. And that's Nate. They are grinding you out in the second half because when they put the ball on the ground and just said, look, stop us, they're not playing. They'll grind you out of all day long. But the Cougars play their next game will be Saturday, October 3rd at Tulsa, 11 o'clock, Houston time. Game will be on the CBS Sports Network. Cougars going going for a 4 0 start to the season. They have 23 points in the uh, AP Top 25 poll, so they're starting to get some recognition, moving up there slowly but surely. Winning game. Winning game. Winning game. That's all. It, it, that's what it's going to boil down to. But based on those scores and UCF struggling, I think the conference is looking forward to basketball season starting up pretty soon, so they can become the American again. Before we get into because, basketball, because it, they're the action right now. Touch on a little basketball, maybe even some baseball. Did want to give some love to the other local FCS program, Houston Baptist. Um, they played Sam Houston State. Pretty well, at least yep. in the first half until the attrition. Right, right before halftime, they uh, they put the going out of the first quarter, yep. twenty-eight fourteen. Then tied the game, and then uh, couldn't score in the second half. So Sam Houston Bearcats kind of rolled away from six-three to fourteen, but they played them pretty tough. So it'd be interesting. And, go ahead. Texas Southern and uh, Houston Baptist as those that stake bet that stake bet coming in next year. Now I'm gonna I'm ask you this question, Doc. Cause I, that's, I know you, you don't gotta, backtrack now. Oh no, I ain't ready. I ain't rested. I want to know what's wrong with Stephen F. right now. They are suffering in the con. They are that program right now is is, is having real problems. Yeah, I, I need to dig a little different. 
a little deeper into that. You know, they just struggling. I don't know if they hit just hitting a bad patch in regards to what's going on with some games there and coaching wise. They feel pretty good about the coaching move they made. Um, they play Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona is usually pretty solid, team. right? But they lost that 34-28. McNeese uh, is always a solid program, 28-14. And then Abilene Christian, which is pushing. Oh, yeah. They lost that just 35-32. So just in terms of the scores outside of TCU blitzing them 77, which we all expect to happen. It's not like they're getting blown off the ball in terms of games. They're losing relatively close games against some solid teams. So I I don't think at this point uh, people – with the fans of the Lumberjacks should really be uh, concerned at this point. Gentlemen, question from our Facebook page, the KG Fifth Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. Uh-huh. I'm not going to name the sponsor of the commercial, but how much swag has Coach Kevin Sumlin, Kevin Sumlin gained from uh, his appearance in a shoe commercial? And does that convert into recruiting cred for him because uh, I'm, I'm gonna answer it this way because this person now that used to work for another shoe another one of the uh, big retailers has moved over to the third company uh the, the third organization that's it's come to move making a move up and then rose into uh college and professional sports has said that it all depends on what the kids, what kids are wearing during the summer, you know, what they're doing, wearing the, who puts on the, the bigger of the of the three camps and all that's out there, uh, and what they're allowed to, to take home with them, and what they're allowed to, they, they must give back, and what it looks like when you're in uniform and when you're at home in uniform, how much can you attract, you know, from from your from your your homies and all when you get back. He told me that that's, that's what it's falling down to right now. So when these colleges start showing up, not in just their school attire, but in their uh, retail attire, as they say. I'll answer it like this from a sport business perspective. I love these type of uh, discussion and questions. In and of itself, no, it doesn't help. But when you put everything together that they're doing at Texas A&M, I think it is significantly powerful in regards to getting the attention of young people. I'll quickly make this statement from the framework that uh, let's not get it twisted. Nike is number one, far-reaching out, facing everybody. The Under Armour is making a huge push, and they've jumped up and surpassed Adidas. So in terms of pecking order, just generally speaking, brands that are out there, Adidas is lower than the other two. But there's a couple of things that I know that Texas A&M is doing uh, that the players that they are recruiting love and are paying attention to. His recruiting device, and I actually mentor to the young two men that actually is a company that they hire to do their web designs, which is fully integrated in terms of social media platforms with the latest and greatest components, with Instagram, with the pictures, uh, Twitter, they're all involved in it. And he does a nice things. Uh, he had one component where actually in Dallas where they had a truck that put the players that they were recruiting on the back of the truck to get their attention. 
Mm. And so he does a lot of things. They practice. They have a DJ that plays uh, different type of music, a lot of it hip uh, music. And those are little things. Started at, in a lot, oddly enough, the University of Houston, but someone was over here and it was just really a relationship thing. But he found out that it really worked in terms of recruiting. So we kind of giggle about that. But in terms of yeah. the young people, they're paying attention to all this. So before I noticed him on the commercial, which I seen as well, is the fact that he was actually flew in uh, to North Dallas for the uh, Thursday night game that was brought. Flew in by what? Uh, was a hel- uh, helicopter. Yes, sir. Right? And landed there and made this grand <laughs> introduction as almost you would see on a. Oh, I tell you, these schools got real and, change, don't they? They got so, real money. Um, don't get it twisted. These young people are paying attention to this. And in regards to that being like the ultimate decision maker, no. But if it puts you in the ballpark and gets you into the living room of a young man, mm-hmm. a lot of the other things we know for Texas A&M can sell itself. Yeah. His offense, obviously, can sell itself. He's brought in a very solid brand name on the defensive side of the ball. So that can help. He's playing in the, what everybody respects and like they like to call in the greatest conference is the SEC. So when you start putting all these pieces together and you add on the fact that you have this hip commercial and he has this little presentation there, without a question, it helps in terms of recruiting. And if you look what he's able to do in recruiting the last couple of years, I think the proof is in the pudding, and I'll put it like that. Somebody mentioned uh, about two games ago uh, that uh, Chip Kelly came in on a third for a Thursday night game to watch. Yeah. And uh and stood. Yeah. Uh it's where you know, it didn't go to the press box. He kinda like stood off away in that on that end zone where everybody kinda like hangs out at yeah. and stood there the whole night. Yeah. Didn't say a word to nobody, you know, it's, you it's, don't it's, have, but another example is like this you have uh Alabama. Alabama has a lot of great things. Nick Saban name sells itself. He has a platform where he puts a lot of the information in regards to all the players they had at Alabama to go pro. That's worked for him in terms of his recruiting class. Um, strong people are questioning uh, his ability to recruit. Well, we starting to see with his recruiting class, and he totally has a different a way that he recruits. Uh-huh. So the other thing that you have to put out there is that everybody doesn't have to recruit in the same way because it's diverse enough in terms of these young people in regards to what they like, how many of them are attached to their parents, and which is making a difference versus those that are individually and like and attach themselves for different things, such as Oregon, who individuals like the fact that it's attached to Nike and they have all the different uniforms. So you have kids that are just like adults that have different tastes. And and so there's enough talent to go around in a lot of ways that you can get these top classes. I think at the end of the day, what starts to play out is who, who is able to get these kids to really take the next step at their program. It becomes the difference in regards to whether you're a coach that can win championships and ultimately national championships. I think that's where the co- the question is there. And we're going to see that play out in a lot of ways right there in U of H in terms of what many people, same thing in SMU, think of very solid coaches that are able to get in their mind frame quality students and if they can cherry pick a couple of other ones, can they get U of H, in this case, back to that next level winning conference championship and then find a way to slide in that door uh, to even put themselves in the question to try to make the playoffs and Katie the door wants those things start to happen. Or can you put yourself in enough gravitas where 
if the conference expansion explodes again. Mm-hmm. Some of it could be as simple as little discussions that we just talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Does it rearrange enough where University of Houston can get in the mix into what we refer now as the Power Five, which I believe at some point will become the Power Four? Doc. Wow. James Harden was at the uh, football game last night. And what was that about? Because we can't hear up in the press box. Friends with Coach Sampson. Yeah. So what was that? He, and he's, he's, he's practiced at Hall Finance. Yeah. Numerous I mean, you times. Gotta, you gotta, if you really think about and it. He's bro, credited, and he's credited Coach Sampson with helping him, helping his game reach the next level of right. superstar status. So mm-hmm. Coach Sampson is no dummy. He is going to ask James to help him out, help promote his program as much as possible. That's right. a picture of him and, and Harden and Coach Sampson with the U of H's fingers up on social media. So you program. It's a brilliant move. And as you great. To Chris, it, it, it's all about relationships. And you think about it, if you're an individual with money and you know people, it's not, it's only so many relationships you can have. You can have some of those old relationships that you have with people you trust that you bring, bring along. And usually the new relationships you have are with people that are around your circle. And so why not during the weekend, you go out and enjoy a football game? Well, what better football game to enjoy? Enjoy is where one of your former coaches is at the institution and he can make sure that you are taken care of when you get there. And when I say taken care of, just to make sure that you're safety and that you can enjoy the game without being harassed for the most part. You can be on the sideline where you can get some of your gravitas and feel good about the fact that, hey, I am or not just signed this $200 million sneaker deal. I'll sneak that in there. And he's, he's, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> what, what, what I'm going to ask this question. He's at basketball game. I've been waiting to ask KG about this. How does he explain to his new contract him and the other folks' shoes? Contract starts Friday, October 2nd. Okay. It's dark. I understand clearly. I think it's fair you do it before then. But it simply said he's just following the letter of the contract law. That's I thought it was more interesting how much of this with the McGrady relationship with you, uh, or with the Rockets and the Adidas kind of match the fact that you have another guy that happens to be a star here in Houston and the relationship went well. How much did that play a role in terms of connection? And when you see any McGrady, Harden type of commercials taking the path into the future moving forward. If you do, you should get a check for putting it out there in the Internet. I'll People, definitely. I will take it, <laughs> put a bug in their ear for that suggestion right there. But uh, James has been in Cougar Games. He was there last season. Okay. And uh, he and Patrick Beverly and a few other Rockets have been to uh, – Call fines to work out with some of the basketball players. Yeah, you, you, you're a historian. And they you need. No, this is not different. You base needs to promote that more. Had a lot more. Yes. And back in the day, uh, when the swack, if you would, in terms of had its height with the talent it had here, and you had a different society where the two didn't really mix as much. And when I say the two, I'm talking about the two cultural nuances of what we call black, white, what I prefer to call African American, European American. In regards to that, the um, you would have the Texas, I mean, the uh, Texas Southern relays where you would have the community of stars in this area and they would come to the relays to watch the game. They would come to the basketball arena to see Texas Southern play or football or down the prairie view. And in a lot of ways, this is just this same situation. It just happens that the culture has moved to where you see that now more in regards to uh, U of H. Some people would say that was the same thing when you look at the State Fair Classic. A lot of the stars in the areas up there, they didn't have ties to 
Texas A and M, Arkansas, many of them were over there at Grandland State and Prairie View for the State Fair class. Who are you, sir? I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, sports professor, aka the Data Doctor, professor of sport management here in Texas Southern University. Also have my own show, as we talked about a little bit earlier, Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab on kcohradio.com, 6 to 7 every Tuesday. If you don't catch it live, you can catch it as a podcast on SoundCloud, Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. You can catch me on the social media platform at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, C-A-V-I-L, HBCU Sports Historian. And some people will look at me and talk to me like that, that I look at everything HBCU Sports, obviously the business of sports, and every once in a while we'll take a step outside of that when they're important issues that people ask me to cover on what many people refer to as the mainstream large institution. Wildcat, how can folks find you on the internet? You find me at, um, as I mentioned earlier, AKSVDCSR and The College Sports Report and SoundCloud, YouTube, and blogger.com at uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook, JL Woodley1, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr. And from, you will also be able to find uh, today's women's soccer match here on the campus of Texas Southern University at uh, that the TSU women, uh, TSU Lady Tigers went down and defeat one nil to Pine Bluff. Uh, but uh, there are there will be better days. Uh, Friday, they. What is your what is your moniker, sir? As who are you? The college sports report. Because you cover it all. Fifth Ward, wow. And you talked about the game today, but there was a game on Friday. Oh, yeah. Where Texas Southern. Oh, man. And what was the score of that game? That score was, was 7 1. I barely walked The game barely started, and the later Tigers were already they just. Was, they were playing goal on the mic. Goal. Goal. They were hollering and screaming. I was like, wait a minute now. Hold up. The well, game just started. It might be interesting because I have an update today, obviously, because these two teams play these road trips where they play both right. institutions. Grambling was at Prairie View today, and Grambling lost 8 to 1 as Alicia Cooper, number 8 for Prairie View, and them had a hat trick. Oh, uh, as she scored three goals in that eight to one rubbing us very good. So, but I, I, they're yeah, going through a coaching change. Okay, they're, they're going through a coaching coaching change. Yeah, the keeper, Prairie View, Texas Southern matchup. Yeah. Well, you you and, would, you and, know and something about that. You don't have up, up, up front. You're gonna struggle. <laughs> you're gonna struggle. Uh, and matter of fact, uh, 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 that was in the uh, post game. Coach mentioned about. Uh, you know, defending in front of the keeper and not, not uh, putting the keeper in, in pressure. And every, and I'm going to be honest with you, I just can't, I, I can't forget about you, Kevin. Whatever, when they start talking about not helping the keeper out, I, you, you come up in my mind quick. I should. That was, <laughs> that was dramatic. <laughs> now, we're talking about indoor soccer. That was, that was, that, that was, that was, and, and that's when you close quarters and there is no excuse for no defense in indoor soccer. And folks, you got to riff it to understand what you're looking at. Not just to see it. You got to riff it. 
You got to be an official. Because you talk about constant movement. It's more moving in that game than indoor football, arena football, and basketball. You are constantly on your toes and your head is on a swivel. I've never seen that much action yep. in a short amount of time in a small space. Because that ball is coming. Sure is. A couple of things. Going to shift gears, talk some women's college basketball before I let you guys talk about the Astros. Okay. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about that. Next Sunday, October 4th, Coach Ronald Hewitt of the Houston Cougars and his squad will have uh, their community day. Open practice, the Spirit of Houston band, kids' activities going to be from 2 to 4 inside Paul Fines Pavilion. Uh, so you, you can stop by and check out, see the 2015, 2016 squad, see how they're going to look, get a first look at them for fans, have the kids come by and take part in some of the activities. Uh, Coach Huey says uh, the team is excited to begin the 2015, 2016 season and thrilled that Cougar fans can start the journey with us at Community Day. Once again, it's all fine convenient from 2 to 4, October 4th. You can go to the Houston Round Bar Review Women's Hoops blog and see some uh, schedules for ESPN's uh, Play for K games that they announced a few days ago. Game is going to be on ESPN U and or ESPN Two. Check out some of these matchups, gentlemen. We got uh, number three Tennessee at number twenty-two LSU on, on February twenty-first. Number four, Maryland at number 25, Rutgers is on ESPN2. For the games I'm looking forward to, <laughs> Notre Dame at Florida State, number that's, six versus number gonna 10. Be, that's going to be interesting. On February 22nd, that's Big Monday, followed by the, the, the second game in a double hitter. Number five, Baylor at number 19, Oklahoma. So uh, that's February 22nd. Both games on ESPN2. And you can go to uh, Women's Hoops blog, HoustonRunBarView.com for we got the schedules posted for the Play for K games, the Big Monday games, as well as the American Athletic Conference announced their games that are going to be broadcast on the American Digital Network. And uh, so you can check that out as well. So college basketball season is, is getting closer and closer. I think the 25 games part of the American Digital Network uh, package. U of H kicks off the, uh, well, tips off the package. Well, December 30th with a road game at Tulane. The Cougars are on there. Women's Cougs, women's team is on the ADN, I think, twice. And then they're on the um, ESPN3 package, I think, three times. So, so, But go to Women's Who's blog at HoustonRombarview.com to read about that. Get info on that as well. And Wildcat and I are roughly a month away from, yeah! from Media Day in Orlando. Taking a road trip. So we're looking forward to that as well. So, uh, now y'all can talk about the Astros in a positive light that they finally beat the Rangers and stopped no, uh, they beat, an eight-game losing no, streak to the Rangers. They won two games in a row that they needed to before they took off on this road trip right? because they needed this badly. Because they now, had lost eight straight to the Rangers. And they looked like a piece of crap in the ninth inning yesterday. <laughs> well. Don, we don't get paid to, to manage. We just get make our comments and our opinions and all about what we see and all that. We, and we were just right. That's right. But, Doc, at the end, at, at some days, like my first RC says sometimes, you manage a little bit too much. You need to kind of like just sit back, watch the game, and let things happen. They were, the Astros, I mind you, they were going along pretty good. 
Now, I will admit, I'm one of those that, that don't go out there every night. I got some friends of mine that see the ticket holders that beg me to go. It's good that I <laughs> waited until the end of the season because I, that was my intention. Pay my own way and go sit and sit in a little perch by myself and you know, just sit and watch. I was doing okay until the 19th. When you got things going your way, don't manage to yeah, the point to where time. you, where you, you bringing out a, somebody out of the bullpen at every hit. That's what I saw yesterday. I asked some friends of mine last night that covered them, that covered the Astros on a regular basis. I said, please tell me that doesn't go on every night. And I was told, Jerry, they just don't write it all in the paper. He said, you need to, it's, it's good you didn't watch because you would never would have went and got a ticket this season. <laughs> but I knew I was going because I wanted to, uh, that, uh, they're getting ready to make some changes all that minute made and I wanted to take some photos before they made some changes. Uh, one, of one of them. But when you go and bring in, you give up a, a, a run. You give up a home run. And you're still bringing people out of the bullpen. I can, I just don't get it. I, I understand baseball to a certain extent, but when I'm sitting there looking and it doesn't make any sense to me, but everybody around me says, you know, they're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. Well, right now you only got, you got two outs and you still had to put the, put the third out yet and they still scoring runs <laughs> and guys are like moving around. They get in the third base. They get in the second and then they coming home. And you came real close to giving it up. In yeah, night I night. think that sometimes, like you said, you can overmanage. But a lot of times, the way baseball is played today, that you really look at matchups. And I think he was going to bullpen, trying to get those righty righty lefty type matchups that we talk about and hear about. And sometimes they can be overdone. But they got it done last night. I thought some of the thing that was really interesting, as you talk about maybe where you really are starting to get managed a little bit, is the fact that he kind of got brushed off. Um, by a picture or two, which may be more in your vein where you're talking about you yeah, are doing a little too much. And, and, and I've, I've seen that too. Saying, hey, you're doing too much. So that, that part, I agree with you that you have to be careful. But I think when you get into baseball, it's really interesting. You got the fact that the Mets clinched this weekend. I think sport. that was a Nobody great thing. would have thought that would happen. Because now you got so two baseball teams. Has some good Cubs, teams. Right? Cubs. Yeah. yeah. Got it done this weekend as well. Teams as that don't normally get that. Um, so that's going to bring some interest in the postseason. Uh, Pirates and the Cubs in terms of postseason. Oh. It's unfortunate that seems like that'll just be one game because they're really playing some great baseball between each other. But getting back to our home team locally uh, and then the state of Texas, uh, this should be an intriguing race going down between Texas and Houston. Uh, Houston right now two and a half games back after that late in slide of uh, yeah. multiple games that they had lost in a row. Uh, picking up these last two, including uh, Dallas Keiko getting 15 and 0. He's yeah, really showed that that's what I want. I, I, I like that. Get it done. You got to like credit. Altuve continues to get it done, batting 315. Man, that little guy. Yeah. Mighty Might is, 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 is hell on wheels. Big home runs last He's hell on wheels. Done hell all on season. Wheels. Slugging percentage at 454. On base percentage 356. I don't think he gets quite enough credit in terms of local 
of media in regards to what's going on. And, and, and he has a very nice swing. Well, this is a talented team. I see that they will find a way to make playoffs. I think people are kind of getting off that uh, bus, if you would, a little bit. But I think before it's all said and done, they'll find a way to get it done. Well, one person that I, I trust with their judgment because they've been in, uh, in baseball a pretty good while, he told, he mentioned to me, he said uh, that uh, the one thing good about them is that they are so young as a group uh, that they don't quite understand what's going on around them. So they hadn't woken up to like nightmares and all, you know, right, in the middle I of a game. That they're kind of like just, just they just did a plan through. Obviously, this, but this series going down, they Seattle and then Arizona. Six, they're one and nine the last ten on the road. And that was the, the difference between the Astros at home and the Astros on the road. And that's what's going to be interesting yeah. is night and day. And even against teams that are not very good, they struggle on the road. And so they're going to have to change that to get into the playoffs. Well, uh, so I'll give it to you, Chris. Uh, let, me, right. let, me ask you, let me ask this, this question, then I'll, I'll finish on it. Then. The other day when I was going back, went by and got my ticket, they've got the Astros has a some some bronze plates that in the concrete outside the stadium. The longest they've had, uh, the longest they've kept a star player is maximum ten years, most of thirteen. Uh, you know, somebody that's been with the organization over a, str- uh, over a long period of time. But seeing that, do you think this particular manager will manage them? This group of guys long enough to watch them grow. Um, I think he will. He, I mean, unless he falls apart next year, he'll get his lifespan. Baseball manager's lifespan is about three, four, three, four, three, four, maybe five years. Okay, and unless he makes a real run where he gets to uh, maybe the World Series, that'll buy you obviously a couple more years. Uh-huh. And somehow wins it. I don't see that taking place too long. But I think in as him getting over to the next hump. I think he'll get that long of a period. And like I said, unless they really just fall apart. And this is just one of those magical years. And I, the other thing that is difficult to really give you an answer for, there's such a new management, uh, a new management. Okay. We really haven't had any case study to kind of see what's the framework in terms of how long they would keep a manager. We saw last year yeah. uh, that yeah. if you don't agree with management, right. you won't hesitate to get rid of it. That's no true. matter how well you're doing and what you've done, in regards to bringing players along, people like Coop. I mean, yeah, that is true. That, but, had a chance uh, to meet you. Yeah. You just had the framework that it didn't work out between the managers, and you see the ownership is going to side with management uh, in most cases, so if not all cases. With that, then we'll turn it back over to that NBA guy that sits over to a, across from us. What's going on? What's going to happen tomorrow? And what's going to be the topic of the day? I would say Ty Lawson. Uh, you know, and how he's dealing with things, and how the Rockets are helping him deal with his his alcohol problem. Uh, Ty's, you know, first things first, he's got to if if he's not going to stop drinking, stop driving after drinking. So, but uh, Ty Lawson being there, I'm kind of curious to see how much, if anything, Sam Decker, rookie first round pick, how much playing time he'll get at all. One of my friends yesterday or go tailgating. Said, ask me if uh, Sam will spend more time in the D League. If he spent all the time in the D League, wow! This year, whoa! You know, that, so that's huge. That's, that's a big question. 
So, but the Rockets are, you know, they are coming off a Western Conference Finals uh, trip last season. We'll see if they can go beyond that in this coming season. I don't believe they will, but uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how Dwight Howard is health-wise. I'm kind of curious to see if anyone will ask Coach McHale and or Mr. Morey their thoughts on Mr. Harden and young uh, Kardashian. <laughs> and if, if they're concerned, that'll be a distraction. I wonder if anyone will ask that question. Oh, man. So, that, 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 you know what? Now, that is a good thing. That's a good that's And a good if anyone will ask Mr. Harden that question. That's, that's a know. good bet. That's a good bet. Because that's I, a good bet. I'm, media Days brings out different parts of media. That, that is, uh, so I wonder if, if that is parts true. of celebrity media will be there on that Monday is true. and ask that question as well, you know, because I really don't care. But um, it'd be interesting who to you're, answer. Who you're dating in your private life, that's your business. But some other media, that's their job, that's their yep. area. So we'll see if that is brought up tomorrow and how James answers that question. Oh, the other thing. I'm uh, surprised if it's not. Uh, I was, uh, this was mentioned too. How many, uh, uh, Far, how much farming the media will be there now that we've gone further away from uh, y'all being a part of the team of uh, foreign interests? We'll see. Asian media is still part of the Rockets' uh, media coverage. So we'll see how many representatives are there tomorrow. And you can go to HoustonRoundBarView.com and HoustonRoundBarView on YouTube. And I'll try to post some videos uh, tomorrow from Media Day. I'm looking forward to it. Basketball season, right, is, is here now. Yeah. Four NBA teams start media day on Friday. So uh, game is the rest, next the rest of the team start we can win. Monday, I think so. Preseason starts. And as a Pistons fan, I'm looking forward to the, the young squad getting closer to making the playoffs and ending this dark, 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 dark <laughs> time that it, the Pistons have experienced for the last few years since they, they won they're the not gonna get over. 2004. They're not going to get over. Uh, they're not going to get out. But that's, you know, basketball is here. I'm ha- happy to say that. Kudos. Good luck to the Astros. Uh, good luck to all of our local teams this week on the football field. And we wish a healthy recovery to Mr. Uh, Southern wide receiver, Mr. Devon. i got to find out how to pronounce it. If it's Devon or Devon Gales. Because uh, I think, what, Friday, unfortunately, a high school football player uh, yeah. died. Yeah, on the field. So, football is a is a is a dangerous is a is a dangerous sport, and uh, you you see it every day with injuries, and sometimes those injuries are catastrophic. So, I want to touch on, I want to wrap it up on a on a more positive note, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Oh, I want to go back to this real quick. See if I can put it up fast. Since the Longhorns are one and three. Going to go down their schedule and see if, if the Wildcats still comes up with eight wins for Charlie Strong's Texas Longhorns. This Saturday, 11 o'clock Houston time at TCU. Close. No doubt. I'm going to say win. Win of what? Pride? <laughs> I'm, 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 you're I'm up to. Wow. Okay. I'm going on a limb. You by yourself on that limb. But that's nah. good. <laughs> okay. So you got them one and four Wildcat. You got them two and three. After that, Oklahoma in the 
Red River. Red River. I still Rivalry. see them winning. I still see them winning. That okay, game. so that's two and four. Doc? I see you. I, I said TCU. I'm going to go with the OU win versus TCU. So you both got them two and four now. Okay. Kansas State. Home game for Kansas State on the 24th. Yeah, that's one. So three and four at Iowa State. That's one. Yeah, four and four. November seventh versus Kansas in Austin. Oh, yeah. Five and four. That's, that's when you. That, that, and to be honest with you, four that's a row. fearful game, only because at some point you're gonna unleash everybody. Okay. November fourteenth at West Virginia. That's a loss. Five and five. I'm saying some win. Okay. I don't. Thanksgiving. West Texas Tech. Yeah, that's a win. Six and five. And then December 5th at Baylor. That's a low. So we're now going to 75 or six and six. Yeah. All right. And after this Saturday, the butt whooping they're going to receive from TCU, folks will be screaming for Charlie Strong's head. But he, after won't, be, four. But he won't be going anywhere. Well, of course not, because y'all are seeing the future, and they're going to start a fucking win streak after this. I don't, uh, so he then, will finish out the year. I don't doubt that. Folks can, can, can scream and holler all they want to, force an issue. He will finish out the season. Charlie Strong will finish out the season. You can put that in stone. I will answer to anybody if it, if they make a decision before the season's over. All right. I'm saying it right now. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Okay. Sounds good. I agree with you on that. But yes. Thank you, listeners, for your questions. Thank you for telling your friends about the podcast. We got a comment saying it's the best podcast in Houston. So thank you very much for that, for that person, for those kind words. We try. And thank you for listening. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your insight. Going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true. Be cool and do more.